Today we're gonna continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. But before I do that, I'm gonna name a few names. And when I name those names, you're gonna, a feeling is going to well up inside you. You're gonna remember some event that is corresponded with that name. You're gonna remember like their overall legacy. You're gonna have some feelings. So let's start with Billy Graham. Also, don't applaud, I know you guys. Don't applaud or don't boo, you know, let's just kind of keep it level here. <laughs> Get in trouble. Uh, Billy Graham. O.J. Simpson, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, LeBron James. What about your biological father? See, all these names that I've mentioned, uh, you've either known publicly or privately, but you also have a feeling every time that you you hear those names. And there's so many more that, that we could go over, but each one of those will either give you a positive thought of who they are or a negative one. It tells you a little bit about the legacy that they're leaving. And you think about those people, and again, there's more, and you wonder, is there any hope to change a legacy for the ones that, that maybe have been known for the mistakes that they've made and, and the past that they wish that they could erase? Maybe you think about that about yourself. Is there any hope to change course from righting a whole bunch of wrongs in your life? Sometimes we look at those men and other and we label them a certain way because of who they are, what they've done. So we're gonna to look today at a man that we would probably identify as evil. We're gonna look at the conversion story of Saul, who would later become Paul. And so this man, his conversion is really, the time that he met Jesus is really one of the most transformational stories in human history. Here's a guy that, that we would look at and, and see as, as evil, but God had other plans for his life. We're gonna look at this scripture here and we're gonna go nine verses and we're gonna look at, at see how kind of maybe God looks at us and how we look at other people and the way we think about other people, the way we think about us and see if that correlates and, and matches the way that God thinks about him. So we're gonna look at Acts 9. I hope you guys are enjoying Acts because we're about a third of the way through. So here we go. Acts 9, 1 through 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, any belonging to Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, enter the city, and you will be told what to do. And these men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice and seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand, brought him to Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and either ate or drank. So Lord, help us this morning. God, we pray you help us this morning. Receive your word. 
What is it that you want us to learn from this piece of scripture? What is it that you want to show us? And will you show us, Lord, God, your will and your way through this life of Saul? In Jesus' name. So the Apostle Paul used to be Saul. And he was a prominent Pharisee, but he was also a persecutor of the church, which meant that, that he would send people who believed in Jesus Christ, and he would send them to either be tortured or killed. But God had other plans for this man. This persecutor of Christians would become a preacher. And this man that would, would actually try to tear down anything that has to do with God will actually be the one that proclaims his mercy and his glory and his favor. His conversion experience is a great encouragement because it shows us one thing, that if this man can be saved, anybody can be saved. Nobody is too out of reach for God. And the life of Paul is proof of one thing. If you have an encounter with Jesus, you have to change your master. And that is what happens here. Saul was the master of himself. He has an encounter with Jesus, and he changes who his master is. If you look at books of the Bible that Paul wrote, specifically in 1 Corinthians and Galatians, he talks about this experience, and he says it's, it's really the first, his new, first, first interaction was his new life in Christ. This was the moment where his life changed, and it's a new life in Christ. And I think that's true for all of us. When we have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, we can say that it is time to change our master, change our behavior. This is now our new life in Christ. See, when we have an encounter with God, we have to change who our master is. And I think that's why so many people have a tough time finding out what their will and what their plan is from the Lord because we're still so busy chasing man's approval. We're busy chasing man's opinion, man's wisdom. And what we need to do is start following God's approval, God's wisdom, and God's plan first. So I'm gonna take this piece of scripture and we're gonna go over two things. And this hopefully will help us step closer to Jesus and look at areas where, where we may still be the master of our lives and we need to hand that over to God. The first point is this, nobody is out of the reach of God. Nobody is out of the reach of God. And sometimes you look at that and you say, well, I know that, but do we really know that? Does our actions say that we know that? Have you ever looked at someone in your personal life or in your public life with, with such anger and frustration that you forget that your battle is not against flesh and blood? And in that anger, you forget to actually pray for them. Have you ever given up on that family member or friend because you just see, think that they're just too far gone? You haven't seen any fruit and you just kind of lose steam and you think they're too far gone. Nobody is out of the reach of God. Nobody's too far gone beyond salvation. But the truth is, there's a lot of evil people in the world. This week, we've got a front row seat to that, what we're seeing in Afghanistan. And I don't know about you, but for me, I just, I look at that, I, I, I watch the news or I click on an article and I see what's happening and, and I just get angry. And I, I, just like a lot of you, we get angry about it. 
But I think that what we need to do, church, is, is what we can do is we need to pray. Because let our anger turn us, give us on our knees because that's what happens. If we just get angry for the sake of angry, that's not going to accomplish anything. But the truth is we have Americans and we have Christians over there that need our prayers as a church. So let's continue to pray. When, when you see those images and when you click on those news articles, let that convict you to get on your knees and pray for those people. But the truth is there is evil in this world. And there's a lot of it. But I want to share with you a little bit this morning, what, uh, some characteristics of evil. Evil is a man who would approve the execution of someone who just got promoted to the church to care for widows. Evil is a man that would go from house to house and ravage churches and, and actually go into people's house and drag out men, drag out women from their homes and put them into prison just because they say they love Jesus. Evil is a man that, that would actually, in today's scripture, continue to pursue believers because they escaped his original persecution, only to go and to bind them up, bring them back, and probably either imprison them, torture them, or kill them. Now, if we saw a man like that today, how would we label him? How would we look at him? This is a man that would later say in 1 Timothy, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I was the foremost. I was the foremost. Other translation says that, that, that Paul actually says, I was the worst sinner of all. And if you look at the, his history before he, before he met Jesus, you can't really argue that. He was the worst sinner of all, but praise God, that's not where his story ends. And that's not where a lot of our lives' story ends. And that's not where people that we know, their story ends. Because what Paul says is true, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And he's still doing that today. Paul, looking at his life, we would look at him and say, this is a man that's unlikely. Unlikely to hear from God unlikely to be used by God, and unlikely to change in such a powerful, meaningful, transformational way. But this speaks to the power of the God that we serve. And my question to you is this, who are you currently looking at as unlikely? Paul's testimony is really a testimony for all of us. It's really our testimony. We were all sinners. We all need a savior. There's probably times when in your life, if you look back at who you used to be or, or what you've done or what you've said, and you've probably beat yourself up so much that you would probably look at God and said, is there anybody disappointing you more than I am? I am the worst of them all. But because of the power of Jesus and because of who he is, that same transformational power, that, that same saving power that, that he did with Saul, that he did with us, he can do that for other people too. Nobody is too far gone. And if Jesus can transform our life, and if Jesus can transform his life, he can transform their life as well. And it changes your perspective too. You start looking at people differently. Instead of getting so annoyed and so agitated and, and, and kind of like regret the family reunions and everything else like that because they make your life miserable every time you're around them. Instead of that, 
all of a sudden your mind starts going, this is a person that can be one of God's miracles. This is a person that I can actually show the love of God to. And instead of someone that you're trying to avoid, you actually try to find reasons to be around them because maybe God will use you to rescue and to save someone that is so unlikely. It changes your perspective. So that family member that that you're with is not too far off. That friend is not too far off. Your boss isn't too far off. Your coworker is not too far off. And you finally say, God, how can you use me so that they, this unlikely person can be used by God and, and actually have that same experience? God might just use you to reach those people that seem unlikely. And Whatcom County is full of unlikely people. And this perspective helps us be on mission. Because that's really what, God, what we're supposed to do. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And his mission should be our mission. But for God to use us, we have to first believe that he's able to use us. And that he wants to use us. We need a godly perspective of ourselves. To have a godly perspective of someone else, first we have to have a godly perspective of ourselves. And so that comes to the second point, that God has a plan and purpose for you. Today, God has a plan and a purpose for you. I wanna read Acts 22. And in Acts 22, this is actually Paul explaining his regulation and his perspective of the verses that we just read this morning. He says this, As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand. They didn't understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. A couple of key things right there. Saul says, what shall I do, Lord? And then Jesus answered, rise and go. So a lot of our small groups are on summer break, not meeting, but we still do small group questions every week just in case there are some meeting. And one of the small group questions this week I wanna, I wanna read to you and I wanna propose that to you to, to kind of think about is, is Saul asked Jesus the question, what shall I do, Lord? How would you feel Jesus would respond to you if you asked him that question? What would Jesus say to you if you asked him, what shall I do? What shall I do today? Where is he calling you to rise up and go? And hold on to that thought for a moment because some of you may be seeing yourself, can God even use me? Can God even use my life? And of course, the answer is yes, he can, but, but, it must first be his to use. You have to give him your life first before he uses it. 
And there's things that we hold on to. There's things where we wanna be the master of. God can have 80%, 90%, but I'm gonna hold on to this. For God to use your life, it has to be his to use. And I love this quote because there's, there, you, sometimes you think you have to be perfect in order for God to use you, but Martin Luther says this, and I love this, use me, God. Show me how to take who I am and who I wanna be and what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. I love this. Show me how to take who I am, where I am now, and who I want to be, and then use me. You don't have to be perfect definition of a Christian for God to use you. You just have to be willing. Willing to do what? To give him you. And that's the conversion story of, of Paul. It proves that, that it, the, this proves that when you meet Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. It changes who you, and sometimes we, we get here and says, you know, that I, I get that, but before I, I actually commit, before I, I actually give Jesus everything, I have to work on some stuff. You know, some of my values, I gotta get in line and, and I, gotta, I gotta change some of my desires and some of the actions that I do and some of the sins and stuff like that that, I, that has entangled me and I need to give that up and, and I'm struggling because I really don't wanna give it up, but I still gotta give it up and, and, and my wants and all that and it's, it's, it's bogus, because the thing, meeting Jesus changes everything, which means you don't have to change your values. Jesus is gonna change your values. You don't have to change your desires. Jesus is gonna do that for you. You don't have to change your actions or your wants. Jesus is gonna change your actions and your wants. He's gonna change your heart. Paul was on the way to Damascus to go and bind up some Christians, possibly to kill them, filled with hatred, wanting nothing to do with anything of God. He wants to completely destroy anyone or anything that has to do with God. And then Jesus shows up. And in spite of all this, the Lord was able to change this man and use him for the glory of God. He can take us with all the baggage that we carry and all our past and everything else, and he can use us for his glory as long as we change our master. And just like God spoke to Paul, he wants to speak to us. But sometimes we're, we're too busy and we don't hear him. Busy with what life? Yeah, we can get distracted. But I think a lot of times we're too busy letting our past disqualify our future. We're too busy looking behind us and say, because of that, I can't do this. And we let our past disqualify our future. We let our past disqualify our present. And I'll tell you, there's, there's really three, three records of your past. There's three deeds that, that, that people hold on your past. One is the deed that you carry in your mind because you know what you've done. You know everything you've said. You know everything that you've done. You know every regret that you have in your life. And it lives in here. So you know that. But there's also other people that have known you. And they've seen some of the things that you've done. They've heard the things that you've said. There's people that if they saw you in church today, they would be surprised. And they would come up to you and say, I don't know what bar this used to be, but this is a church now. 
There's other people that know some of your past. But then there's a third area where, where they know your past, and that's Satan. He knows your past. And every time you try to do something good for God, he's going to remind you why you shouldn't. And we got to know this. And, and I got to remind you guys that, that even though you may remember your past, and I do, and I know that there's other people in my life that remember some of the things I wish I could do over. Remember, Mom, when I forged my report card that year? <laughs> Kids don't do that. That was a bad day. That, I didn't fool anybody that day. That bad. Um, I had regrets. <laughs> the enemy knows, and he reminded me every time. But if you believe what Scripture says... God will forget your past and your past is no obstacle for him to use you today. Isaiah 43. And, and when I read, I'm gonna read a couple of verses and just, just kind of read these verses as if, as if God is speaking to you these promises. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Hebrews 8, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Hebrews 10, then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Praise God. Because we usually think sometimes, we think people in the Bible with, with, with exalted Feelings and terms, because I think that, that we see them as perfect and how powerfully God used all these people. But I remind you that, that only Jesus is perfect. Only Jesus is perfect and sinless. And, and it was him that qualified everyone else in the Bible to do the things that they did for the glory of God. Jesus qualified them. He does the same for them and he does the same for us. Our past doesn't disqualify us because Jesus qualified us. There's real power in the resurrection of Jesus. There's real power in the cross. There's real power in forgiveness and mercy and grace. The one thing that will disqualify you from being used by God is when we refuse to humble ourselves and truly receive the forgiveness that Jesus died to give us. Because that becomes pride. And Jesus says, I give grace to the humble. Humble yourself and receive that forgiveness that Jesus died on the cross to give you, to, for you, and then go and let him use you for his glory. See, our pride can ruin a lot of areas of our life. This is one of them. Because we think it's honorable to continue to let us feel guilty for our past. We think it's honorable for us to, to shame, to feel shame and just to torture ourselves over and over again for the things that we have done. We think it's honorable to just beat ourselves up but I don't believe that's why Jesus went to the cross. Our past would disqualify us if it wasn't for the cross. If it wasn't for forgiveness, if it wasn't for his mercy, our past disqualifies us if it wasn't for Jesus. But the cross, because of what happened, we're qualified and, and you see that in the life of Saul. And we could see that in our life today. Jesus used Paul. Jesus speaks to Paul, and he wants to do both for us today. But to do that, we have to be willing. To do that, we have to be able to give him our lives. Jesus can only use a life 
that is truly his. So Jesus tells Paul, what shall I do? Jesus responds, rise up and go. Where is Jesus asking you to rise up and go? Where is Jesus calling you to finally rise up and go? For some of you, Jesus is saying, rise up and go into ministry. Go be the hands and feet to someone that needs you, that needs me. Rise up and go and get off the sidelines and get into the game. Some of you, rise up and go be a small group leader. Rise up, go be a host home. Rise up and go to a small group. Sometimes some of us, Jesus is saying, husbands, rise up and be the husband that I've called you to be. Rise up and be the father that I've called you to be. Rise up and be the mother and the wife that I've called you to be. Rise up and be that business person into the world where it's so dark and shady. God, rise up. He's saying, rise up and be that business person for me. Represent me well. Rise up and go. But the thing is, and for some of us, maybe Jesus is saying, rise up and go away from something. Go away from those addictions. Go away from those habitual sins, those habits, that mindset, those strongholds. Go rise up and go away from those and come to me because all that else, it even might feel good at the time, is gonna let you feel defeated, ruined, and, and guilt. And, but I have something so much better for you. Rise up, go away from those, and come to me. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When it comes to rise up and go, to go where God is calling you to go, you have to be willing to leave a place the enemy wants you to stay. To go where God is calling you to go, you have to be willing to leave that place the enemy wants you to stay. So where is Jesus saying, rise up and go? I could tell you one time, in my life, Jesus was saying, it was time for me to be the husband and father that he'd called me to be. And I've shared this story, I think in a marriage summit, but I don't know if I've ever done it here, but there was a time, second, third year of marriage, we had a rough go. We were, it was a rough go for us. And I remember one time I was at home and Brandy was home and we were in one of our many, many fights and I was late for work. And I was ready to go. And again, and I know I've said this before, but I just want to remind you the importance of having Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you go to hell, it's going to say, welcome to Bellisphere Mall. <laughs> That's where I worked. I hated my life at that place. And we were fighting and we weren't getting along and, 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 and things were problematic. And, and I said, you know what? I have to leave. And I stormed out of the house. I stormed out of the house thinking, I can't continue doing what I'm doing here. And I left and went in my car and I sped down the road because I was late for work. And when you know it, a train started coming and the thing started falling down. And I had a decision to make. I'm gonna go under it or I'm gonna stop. I stopped. And I'll tell you, in my life that time, I, didn't even, I couldn't even tell you where my Bible was. We weren't going to church. I probably haven't prayed in a year. I didn't disown God. I just could do it all myself. And in that moment when the train came down, I didn't hear the audible voice of God like Saul did here. But I've heard God, and a lot of you know what I'm talking about. 
And he says to me, he says, you are about to lose everything. That wife, that kid, it was just Nicole at the time. That gift, you're about ready to blow it. You're about ready to lose. Lose it all. It's time for you to get back to me and it's time for you to start being the man that I've called you to be. Thing rose up and for the first time in a year or more, I prayed. And I'm bawling on the way to church or on the way to work, bawling. And I committed at that time that I was gonna rise up and obey. And I didn't tell Brandy that story for years, years, because how many times in a fight have I said things will be better? And they never were. But we brought God into our relationship and, and I started speaking kinder and I just started giving my life to God. I rose up and obeyed. See, we have a decision and we have, I love, this is why I love God so much is that he doesn't disturb our free will. We could have chose. I could have chose to continue to live my life as it is and just blow it all away. But then I step back. How many years later, we've been married 26 years. I look at my life now and I see how wonderful my relationship with my wife is, how wonderful my relationship with my daughter is. And I look at my son who wouldn't have been here if I would have just walked away. We have a choice when God says, rise up and go if we're going to obey or not. That's the secret of, of a life transformed. That's a secret of a life that, that God can use and that is just a life surrendered. God can use a life that is his to use. Saul was transformed from an evil man to one behind maybe Jesus had more impact on the kingdom of God than anybody. He surrendered his life. He removed himself as master and placed Jesus there. And remember what Saul asked Jesus in Acts 22. He says, Lord, what shall I do? That is a question from a man that has surrendered his life to someone. Lord, what shall I do? How would Jesus respond to you if you asked him that question? For God to use your life, it must first be his to use. Is there any area of your life that doesn't fully belong to God? That isn't fully his to use. Will you guys stand with me? As I go back and think about this passage that, that we just read about, it strikes me that, that Saul on that day had plans for his life. His goal was to destroy the church, not meet Jesus of the church. But I want you to, to realize that Saul didn't find Jesus. He wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus found him. Jesus sought him out. Jesus called his name and Jesus changed his life. And I believe Jesus is seeking some of us out this morning. And maybe for some of us, it's for the first time and you know that you haven't given your life to Jesus and, and you know that the promptings there, you know that you've been, you're, you have this pull, this tug to, to give up your life and give it to Jesus and he's calling you out this morning. Maybe Jesus is seeking you out to say, you know, I need you to recommit to me just like I did with, with the whole train story in the marriage. I didn't know my, where my Bible was. I wasn't praying. It was time to get back to the things of God. Maybe Jesus is calling you to do that. Maybe Jesus is saying, it's time to rise up and go 
to get off the sideline, to, get, to go away from these habits, these things, the way of life, and actually start living a life that I have called you to live. Rise up and go. Jesus is seeking you. He's calling your name today. But remember, to go where God is calling you to go, you gotta be willing to leave that place the enemy wants you to stay. So that's my homework this week. Come to church, get homework. I hate that. But that's my homework. And I'm gonna challenge you guys to do the same, is to have a business meeting with Jesus. To get somewhere quiet. To get somewhere where you can wrestle with the things of God. And have a business meeting with Jesus this week and ask him the question, is there any area of my life where the enemy has me right where he wants me? And it doesn't have to be evil. It doesn't have to be evil. You could just be distracted a little bit. You can be neglecting some things that God is calling you to be a steward of, but, but you've neglected it because you're doing other things. Maybe it's a sin pattern or something that, that, that Jesus said, you know what, come to me. I have something much better for you than that. It could be any of that. But you ask him, is there any area of my life the enemy has me right where he wants? And then expect for him to tell you the answer. And then when he does, then it's time to get to work. Then it's time to start changing your master from yourself or whatever that thing is to Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. We are so thankful for this story. And Lord, I just pray for myself and for everybody here at this church. God, will you reveal to us any area of our life where the enemy has us right where he wants us? God, we don't want to, to live a life of compromise. We don't want to just go through the motions, God. We want to rise up and go where you have called us to go. So Lord, will you give us wisdom in areas where we need to exchange our master, God? Will you, can you, will you, will you give us the boldness to actually give you our life? God, you can use our life if, if our life is given to you to use. So Father, will you reveal your heart to us? Will you reveal your truth to us? Will you reveal your desire for us and our life? And we, we proclaim together as a church that we not only believe, but we expect that you are going to answer that prayer because that's a prayer that's gonna honor you. So Lord, I pray, God, will you use this church and will you use the lives in it to impact the kingdom of God for your glory? Just give us the download. And we believe that, that you have a plan and purpose for all of us. So we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. If we could pray for you uh, for anything, we're going to have a prayer team off to my left, your right. Otherwise, have a great day. Remember to be kind to those that God has called. Or, you, know, you know it. Be kind to people. <laughs>